Hey, everybody, welcome to the HVAC Joy Lab podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Shirk. This podcast focuses on creating more and more conversations about what optimizes life for an HVAC technician. My goal is to produce the most helpful content available for techs, full stop. Today, you're going to meet Rob Fromm. Rob is the owner of Local Mechanical in Oklahoma City. After about eight years as a tech working for someone else, he made the decision to launch out and start his own company. Today, you're going to hear his thoughts on when to take the leap into ownership, as well as on the topic of recruiting techs once you get there. Okay, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to HVAC Joy Lab. We're with Rob Fromm today from Local Mechanical in downtown Oklahoma City. Welcome, Rob. Hello. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. So, Rob, uh, as with many of our podcasts here, we want to all get to know you better. So kind of tell us the story of you, kind of your origin story when it comes to uh, air conditioning. How I got in it. Yes. Okay. Uh, my mom's best buddy, uh, her name's Debbie. She's got a dad named Chuck and he owns a company called Elmore Bros Heat and Air. Uh-huh. And, uh, him and his brother used to be, you know, quite the duo back in the day. Uh-huh. And, uh, so he came over to fix my AC one time and, um, heck I was, I was, see, I'm 38. I've been in the industry for 14 going on 15 years hmm. and so that let's see 38 28 four years sauce so yeah 24 like i was thinking yeah and uh, i watched him do it you know i was really interested and it seemed like a quick kind of fix for him you know like mm -hmm. no problem and he saved the day we were hot man we yeah. were <laughs> we were sweating i remember i was like man this guy just came in here and saved the day. I want to know what he does. So right. uh, he told me about some schooling and some classes that I could go to. And I looked even further, signed up to a 10 month, uh, like Votech kind of school. Uh, it was sure. called ATI career training center. And there it was, it was what you got out of it. You know, um, you took home what you wanted to there. Uh, there was, uh, some good instructors but then you had like your 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 lops that just didn't want to be there you know or just right. wasting time so right uh i did that for 10 months uh but about two months into school i ended up getting a job as a new construction installer uh, and uh so i just hey i went 
I went hard with it, you know, and I've just been living it every day since. So. Excellent. Excellent. So then at some point you decided I'm going to, I'm going to launch my own business. So tell us about that. Yeah. um, From day one, you know, I mean, I I seen Chuck come out there and Mm -hmm. he handled it all on his own and just seemed like he, uh, he was his own boss and, you know, he ran his own ship. So uh, I had every intention of starting my own company from day one. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, so uh, how did it kind of trigger into that? Did you, cause it, we get asked this, I get asked this question a lot and people who, who reach out about the podcast, somebody started a company and they, you know, there's like kind of a hundred questions there. What, when did you know you were ready? Uh, were you ready because of sort of positive reasons or you were so fed up? Um, was there a financial kind of position you wanted to be in before you started or you just launched? Um, I know there's a bunch of questions there, but yeah. what, tell us about your mindset and that process of pulling the trigger. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I mean, from, from day one, I knew I was waiting on my, my uh, golden moment of opportunity to be able to launch into sure. that next, that next level, you know? Yep. Um, so I always had my ear to the ground, you know, my eyes open, waiting, learning, soaked everything up like a sponge. Um, so it was how business was conducted whenever I was an apprentice. So I was like, okay, keep a clean job site, work hard, work late, whatever it takes. You're missing holidays, you're missing birthdays, you're missing mm-hmm. vacations, you're having to reschedule this and that around your personal life because you have a walk-in cooler call and you know, whatever time <laughs> dates are messed up, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you have to find you a good understanding woman and um, mm. your family, you know, your family comes into play a lot. I'm sure because my mom, my sisters and everybody, my dad helped me out with my boys, my, my uh, two younger sons. So sure. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a tough call uh, to know when, you know, yeah. to know, to know how, because I had that riding on the line, you know, uh, whenever I was working for the man, I, uh, I had a company truck and a company phone and a company credit card and all this kind of just felt like it was easy. You know, yeah. uh, I didn't realize how much of a company man I was back then. I'll tell you, uh, yeah. I used to donate time and half my drive time and, you know, just my life literally was worked around my job schedule and my career. I yeah. ate, I ate, slept, and you know, eat in there. Yeah, for real. For a long for time. Real. What what I hear a lot of guys say is, and this is my they're not saying these words, I'm kind of summarizing some of it, but uh there's about an eight to ten year cycle there from that first install job, you know, to where mm-hmm. You've been there, you've run service, you've maybe even done a little, uh, you know, uh, comfort consultant sales kind of work maybe, but there's about 10 years there where it's kind of a life cycle and the technician has kind of, they know what they're doing now for real, especially in a residential side. Commercial is almost a different animal because tech is so going crazy and there's so much stuff, but on a residential side, it's a lot of five ton split systems. And so- they go out there, they know how to approach the customer. They've got it down pat. They're 10 years in or 35 years old. And they're like, I think I've gone as far as I can go. I don't think there's anywhere else to go with this. You know, are they going to kind of move me around or put me in charge of recruiting or something? But 
but I'm, this is it. I'm just going to do this now for 30 more years. And it triggers this thought of maybe I need to go out on my own. Maybe I need another adventure. And it's not so much triggered. Sometimes, sometimes it's triggered by like, I am not missing one more birthday. I mean, sometimes triggered by that kind of thing. But a lot of times guys are just like, look, I, I'm not going to go quietly into the night catching one more call because there's one more on the board, you know, and they're going to, they, it's, they want the adventure of going out there and starting their new thing. And that, that, what I've, what I've, I've heard enough guys talk, I've talked to enough guys. I, I, I recruit. So I talk to a lot of techs and um, so in 2022, I probably talked to 800 techs. And so I ask these questions to try to get a mindset, like where are they at? What, what makes them want to go somewhere else than where they are and whatnot. And there just seemed to be this cycle where the, the owner of the company needs stability. So they like the idea that this guy's just going to keep installing, but that runs out. That guy needs more challenge, more development. He needs to go somewhere. So now we're going to put him into service. Then that challenge runs out. Maybe if there's room, we'll put him into catching the call and doing some sales. But at some point, it just feels like I've run this track a million times now. Is this it? And I think that's one of the more common triggers that gets a guy out there and starting his own thing. You're absolutely right. Um, even whenever I was in heating and air conditioning school, learning all of the components and all of the electrical and pressure, you know, psychrometric charts, you know, I could never put it to use out in the field because I started as an installer with an right. installer bag, new construction, ground jobs, lab jobs, attic jobs. Um, sometimes we would do retros, you know, but I started out as a new construction installation, you know, installer. Uh, yeah. That's just how it was. So I did that for six and a half, seven years or so, and mm. then learned service for three and a half. And along those six or, you know, six or seven years or so, I, I got to do service and I was always going out on my own and calling my supervisors and asking them, you know, Hey, what's this and what's that? And, Sure. You know, they were all very supportive, but I could never get on a service truck because they seen my value as an installer, yep. you know, yep. not to toot my own horn, but I used to, I'm 38 now, whenever I was in my mid twenties, I used to be able to turn two houses a day Whoa. that were uh, anywhere from like 1300 to like 14, 1500 square feet. Me and another guy would go set the furnace coil, copper line set, flue. Wow drain all the ductwork framing the returns it's yep. all flexible ducting here in oklahoma for the most part you know yeah. um, but uh, it's frowned upon on hvac you know no, all sure. the facebook pages and what oh, yeah it's what we do <laughs> here here in the sticks you know here in the great plains of the united states we do a lot of flexible ducting and that's just all there is to it you know? <laughs> um but um we're no stranger to square ducting and spiral and all that good stuff too. You know, we do it all. Uh, yeah. I got my own little sheet metal shop, so we, yeah, we so bang our own tin. So go ahead, talk some more about that. Cause before we, we started, you, you talked a little bit about your company. You kind of go everything from a two and a half ton, you know, unit outside somebody's house all the way to the rooftop of a high rise building. So mm -hmm. like, what talk about that a little bit, like the, that when you start getting into that level of commercial work, you get into chillers, you get into, there's a lot of different technology, even though residential tech is really moving quickly right now. 
the commercial side, you know, you bump into a hundred ton mag chiller and it's like, whoa, I'm, you know, I mean, put one in my hands on one of these before, or there's all different kinds of equipment out there coming out. So how does that work for you? Um, a lot of research, uh, you know, we definitely have to learn the new systems that are coming out like anyone else. Uh, I just got yeah. onboarded with train and American standards. So oh, we're sure. now a dealer for American standard and train and Ameristar's mm-hmm. got some good models coming out this year, but, um, as far as my diversity and how far I'm willing to go to perform HVAC greatness sur- <laughs> surface <laughs> is, uh, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty broad. It's pretty broad, uh, broad. I, I was told to be versatile in this industry and mm-hmm. to adapt. Yep. So that's one thing I'm not shy of. I love being able to turn around and look back at something and say, you know, did that. That was yep. a challenge, but we got her done, you know? So, uh, so let me, for the listeners, cause y'all know, I think that I'm a, I'm a consultant by trade. Uh, so let me do a, a consultant observation that I just, I just made here. Ask Rob about different kinds of equipment, different, different elements. He's the owner of the company. If you notice the one thing he didn't mention talking about commercial was money. Clearly Rob loves air conditioning and it's not just about zeros on a check. Because if I said to someone, oh, we're going to put in a, uh, you know, a a hundred ton chiller and they're the owner of the company in a different setting, here's what I'd hear about. Yeah, we had to make a real decision if we were going to start doing that because I got a front cash. It's a 30, 60, maybe 90 day net invoice. I got to figure out how to cash flow this thing. If I'm going to start doing that kind of work, how do my cash position, man, like Rob didn't go there even a little bit. He's like, man give me another challenge. Let me look back on that thing. Let give me one more misty eyed customer saying, thank you so much. I mean, that's, that's in your bones. That's a, that's an HVAC guy, man. I tell you what, that, that is one of the main reasons why I'm still here is the gratitude and satisfaction that I get off of that. I get from each one of my customers, my employees being able to take care of them and provide and guide them in the right direction. So their jobs are easier. And so my customers don't have any burdens on their shoulders, or maybe we can just do it better than the last guys. Um, Which sometimes isn't hard, which sometimes isn't hard (laughs) doing it better than the last guy. (laughs) I I quoted a person, a cheaper price for a Wi-Fi programmable thermostat and um than the last company uh-huh. but since i had too many line items on my invoice uh, keep in mind it was cheaper mom cheaper they went with the other company because they had one line item and it was easier to read and yeah. so they chose uh, i don't they get do. it that's don't hey promise. that's there's something to that that kind of flat rate mindset mm-hmm. you know Quoting a job with one number or one number per month for five years, you can you can get some deals done that way. It's unfortunate in some ways because people don't know what they're getting sometimes, but it's you know it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got to know your customers. You know, yeah, got to know them. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Um, so so you got how you I have, knew. Oh, how, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'd like to finish on how I made the decision to start. Oh yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, please. Uh, So I knew it was time whenever 
it all became mm, kind of repetitive to me in, in a way, you know, uh, yep. I knew it was time, but uh, at that time, whenever it started feeling repetitive and just kind of, uh, you know, another day of this was, uh, the time that a job offer was was given to me as a, a contractor whenever I hadn't even got my contractor's license yet and it was it was a ninety two thousand dollar project mm. and uh I've seen the dollar signs and uh I had heard about a couple guys starting their own company and what they did and how they took their customers that they took care of with them over to the company that they started and yep. you know so that's that's what I there did. You go. That's Perfect. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That that process. Um, kudos to you for doing it, by the way. But that process, uh, I've, I've lost track of how many techs I've talked to that became owners. And sometimes it's terrifying. And sometimes it's like, ho hum, it's time. Um, but it and, and of course, it depends, too. I mean, if your wife is at home with five kids. And you've got $1,500 in the bank. That's a very different move from, you know, I could go six months without making any money and I'm okay. I mean, those yeah. are two completely different, you know, launches. And um, so it, it, at least in terms of stress, maybe not in terms of like the tactics of starting a business, but how much sleep you're going to lose. Those are two different scenarios completely. Yeah. My ex-wife, which was my uh, wife at the time, told me stay where you are don't do this you know keep your insurance keep your truck keep your phone and i said no absolutely i I will not do that you know there's there's far there's far more for me out there i I believe because i was willing to go that extra distance and really you know my first couple years it was all fun it was all fun but uh you know, this caught up with me and that cut up, caught up with me. I've been in business now going on six years and I'll, I'll tell you what it, uh, the, the third year after the third year, I, I found out how trying it was. And I was like, Oh God, I got to do this differently. And that's whenever I started really calculating up all that it took. Right. And it just takes a lot. Right. It takes a lot. So um, it's not for the faint. It's not for the weak. It's yeah. yeah. Running a business can be fun, but also you have to be organized and yeah. do things in a certain manner, certain That's way. Right. That's right. Uh, the IRS will find you. There's, there's all kinds of issues that <laughs> come up once you're people think, and really this is some of what intimidates people from getting started that you combine marketing with QuickBooks and how do I, you know, like, where do I find guys I'm going to hire? Start looking at a regular payroll. That'll put a quiver in your liver like that. All that's the details of it. That's really what holds a lot of guys up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 2021, I, that was my, was my three and a half year mark, three year mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I had 12 employees. I was just throwing money at it. I, I had so many huge contracts and so many huge jobs going on. It was 10,000 square foot building here, 15,000 square foot building, building here. And I had five buildings going at one time. And my company brought in like 1.4 million that year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't profit 
a dollar. I, 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 it was a, it was a loss yeah. and it was because of who I hired in the short amount of time that I had to do the hiring in order to lock these jobs in and get some yeah. warm bodies out there on the floor. That's right. So that's yep. what I did, you know, and I, I messed that up. I messed that all up so much. Uh, well, so, you know, it's tuition, it's tuition, you know, that's, there's not very many guys who just launch and they're like, man, I've been doing everything right from day one. Bam. You know, just that's not the way it usually goes. You got to pay to play. You got to learn. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how are you now? How many texts do you have now? Four. Okay. And then do you have any back office at all? Or is it just you and the four guys? Uh, a secretary. Uh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I've observed in the residential side and, and you're kind of a crossover, but it would still apply. There's kind of this early phase or let's call it smaller phase where you can, most of the people you hire are billable to a job and you have to keep it organized, but, but that's where you can make money. Then at some point, the business model requires hiring people who are not billable to a job and your margins compress downward. So you need to hire a service manager or a dispatcher or a parts guy or whatever kind of back office role, a, maybe a, a, a bookkeeper or controller. And for a while there, the margins go down. And then once you get past that, you scale back up again and they go back up again. But that phase right there is a classic kind of hump that's hard to get past because if you don't know that that's happening, it just looks like I'm not making any money. What's going wrong around here? You know, but it's, you know, and then, and the dilemma of it is, am I going to be working 90 hours a week again, doing it all myself? I mean, you know, do I have to do all the dispatching and the books? Do I have to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a challenge right there. Figuring out, um, how do I grow past that first bubble of back office, uh, you know, cost that is not going to attach to a job? Oh, dude, I flopped. Okay. Uh, after, uh, so almost all of 2022 was total rebuild of my company because of how, how it went in 2021. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the first of 2021, I was making all that money and then, close to October is whenever, you know, everything started falling apart. Um, so laid everybody off, hired one good guy, rebuilding from there. Yeah. Uh, so me and another guy, you know, and then now we're up to four again, you know, yeah. I, I kept the office and uh, I wasn't able to keep all of my trucks and all of my tools. I had to, yeah, times got tough because of, me not realizing I was simply throwing money at it and not realizing where my profit margins were going. Yep. And you're right. Having a foreman or a job supervisor to make sure that things are going as planned and quoted was key. Yeah. Uh, in my defense, I did hire that guy, but he had no business being out there. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was, he's a great guy. His name's Roger. I love that dude still to this day, but he was just everybody's friend mm. and didn't make anybody yep. held accountable for their daily tasks. Yeah. And um, sad to say, you know, I'm not, yep. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone but myself because sure. oh, yeah. I'm the one that hired him. 
I'm the one that hired the guys that I did. But, oh, man, I should have uh, slowed back, should have should have yielded sure. instead yeah. of just accepting all these contracts all at once. Sure. Well, I mean, realistically, I mean, let yourself go back to that time. There's no realistic way you were going to say no to work. I mean, no one would do that. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like things like this play out exactly the way they have to, you know, you could Mm -hmm. go back and kind of kick yourself, but don't because you wouldn't learn it without that. And everybody starts a business hoping they get a landslide of business. And so when it comes, it's like, it's all coming true and no one is so disciplined. They're like, no, I'm just going to have to tell these guys to find someone else because I'm going to be disciplined that no one does that. So it just, it's just how it happens. You know, that's how you good for you that you're resilient. You, you know, marched ahead. You didn't, you know, throw in the towel or feel like this doesn't work or, you know, I mean, it tells me you have a strong, um, whether you think of it as a skill or not, but you have strong resilient skills. You know, you didn't, you didn't take that situation and turn it into the apocalypse. And right. you know what I'm saying? Like, this is, you know, I'm going to generalize oh. this one bad situation to everything in life. Everything now sucks. I'm a jackass. Everything is stupid. I better just go back and work for the man. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that yeah. you didn't go there. Right. And yeah. so, and that's the thing. That's like a muscle you got to have if you're going to run a business. You got to have that muscle that says, I, I'll power through this and not just with beer and anger, but just with like a, your capacity to take a breath, you know, let it wash over you, learn from, you know, that there's an old story about the, this great fruit tree in a guy's backyard and a storm comes through and knocks a tree over. And the owner says, what should I do? And the wise neighbor comes by and says, pick the fruit and burn what's left. I mean, that's the, that's what you do in those situations. You know, you pick the fruit. What can I learn from this? And then you burn what's left and you move on. And that's what, that's what it means to own a business. Yeah. Pick it up and keep going. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's tons of stressors every day as a business owner. There's this and that, this, just keep oh, focused yeah. on, on, on yeah. tomorrow, you know? So, so tell me a little bit about the, the dynamic of recruiting technicians. It sounds like you haven't, of course, you said you had some guys you weren't crazy about, but the the number one thing without it's not even there's not even a close second. The number one thing I get asked about by owners is how do I find good people? I mean, like, where do I find these guys? How do I you know, how, how does that work for you? How is it working for you? Are you doing anything? I mean, you don't have to sell your or tell your secret sauce if you don't want to. But what's you know, uh, what's working for you right now? Um, So. Word, word of mouth has always really helped me. I got a, I got a couple guys that know a couple guys. Um, so that's always how you get your best guys. I think, you know, unless you get really, really lucky, um, tradesmen companies such as like, you know, like the lease companies out or lease employees out to you, they're always a little bit higher, but you can, you can land some pretty good employees that way as well. Um, and, uh, Let's see. I know a guy named Jim. He was my instructor back at ATI. And um, he throws me some bones every now and then if I call him and ask him, you know, he'll tell me when their class is graduating or if he has any good prospects. Yep. Uh, so 
things like that. Just just basically word of mouth. So just calling calling the people I know and asking them if they know of anybody. Right. So, you know, property property management companies also have some pretty good um, learners or people people that can pick the trade up pretty quick because most of the time they have been forced to uh, you know replace this contactor or that capacitor or this fan yep. motor or whichever so yeah yeah that's yeah. a good that's a good point so i uh th- so we're having this conversation everybody else can listen in but i'll i'll throw it i'll throw you some uh consulting thoughts here from okay. from the, the desk here um one of the things that i'm seeing that and this is for anybody listening if you're in a mode and i know this is primarily a, a podcast for technicians but we're on the topic here and so this is a good time to talk about it that this is this business of technicians hiring them keeping them this is what i do i wrote a dissertation on technicians uh it's it's the thing i think about all day every day how does this thing play out the dynamics in the last uh, seven or eight years in hiring techs and the labor market for technicians is unprecedented in the history of this technology the um there's never been a bigger gap between available work and available technicians and uh to to use a metaphor to compare before 2016 it was already getting exacerbated but if you go back to say the early 2000s um again as a metaphor so forgive me technicians i'm going to i'm going to compare you guys to loaves of bread so forgive me but if if you can imagine it was the economy would kind of go up and down and if there were 100 loaves of bread in a supermarket, a strong economy meant there were 110 people who wanted those 100 loaves of bread. When the economy slowed, it meant there were 90 people who wanted those 100 loaves of bread. And you can imagine the natural fluctuation up and down around what was a relative balance of availability of labor, right? Well, you get into the late you know, 2000s, early 20-teens, the, the gap starts forming a lot. And then in 2016, the Trump administration, there were things that happened. You can love them or hate them. I'm neutral on the issue. But there are things that happened that ignited the economy in a big way. Plus, we reduced the number of uh, uh, people available to work construction because of some borderline border, like between countries, between Mexico and us, border stuff. And uh, and we ended a lot of mindset of globalization. There's a lot, there's supply chain. There's a lot of stuff there. But what happened was that 110 people who wanted those hundred loaves of bread turned into about a thousand people. And the, the, it just turned the whole labor market upside down. And the, the number of tech, I mean, I, I have clients that um, are my regular clients down here in South Louisiana. I put, if I put 15, uh, supervisors in a room and I commercial supervisors. And I say, um, who here is being recruited right now? All 15 hands. Who's who, uh, who realizes if you wanted another job, you could have it in 15 minutes, all 15 hands. Like there's no, the idea, this was part of my dissertation, but the idea that used to be true that like this fear of losing your job, like I've, it cost me too much to lose this job. That's just vanishing among technicians. No one, no one has that going on anymore. They all, um, none, none, it's just changing fun. Like literally the experience of work is changing. And so it used to be when you're recruiting, you'd say to somebody, 
I have a job. I'm offering a job. Who needs a job? And someone would go, I need a job. And this would kick off a relationship. Problem is today, Rob, this is true for you, for anybody. If you're recruiting a technician, every technician you're recruiting already has a job. If they don't already have a job, you probably don't want to hire them. Right. <laughs> and so, so the game has changed yeah. from offering jobs to saying, what, how am I going to compete for this talent? Right. What am I offering that they don't get somewhere else? How am I going to, were they on call every other weekend? And I'm going to turn that into one weekend out of 10. Were they, uh, you know, is it a classic benefits retirement package that I can offer and they can't? Is it relationships that with me, they feel like they're on a team and over there it was every man for himself. You know, do they get respect with me? And then we're over there. They just get talked down to by a dispatcher. You know, do I offer them the opportunity to do what they do best every day? Like that clearly drove drives you, uh, Rob, like that, that feeling of how it feels to do quality work and look a customer in the eye. Who's looking you right back in the eye and going, thank you so much. Yes. Like, do I get to do that every day or am I getting chased off the job by a dispatcher saying you got two more calls? Why aren't you done yet? Right. All of this stuff is where the recruiting game is now. Right. And so it, it, um, and I do this talk a lot, but it, but I think it's for people, especially in your position, it's that one change. If, if it, that one thought, no one I want to hire needs a job. Just, just take that and then work from there. So that anybody, if I interview someone and they're like, man, this would be great. I've been really looking. I can't find anything. They're not the guy, right? <laughs> not in this labor market, not at three and a half percent unemployment, not, not in this, not in this labor market. So, right. but the reverse is how do I go get that guy? I mean, it can get a little cutthroat and like, what do I do to get a guy who's already working for somebody else to come work for me instead it's not all the answers to that question in this conversation, but it, that is the question. And it's the only question. If I'm going to grow my company and I want technicians to come work for me, what is the offer I can make to them financial or not financial? That just sounds so good. I feel like an idiot. If I don't say yes to Rob and go to work for him. I'll tell you what, uh, I just brought on a guy named Keith and he worked for a very competitive company, uh, probably one of my top competitors. And uh, he just has a lot to offer. Yeah. He brings his own business with him. He takes his own customers wherever he goes. He keeps a nice and clean truck. Mm -hmm. He is very organized. He's very communicative. He likes to correspond with his customers, correspond with me, write all of his notes down in the notepad, also communicating his time, reflecting onto his QuickBooks timesheet. Yeah. He is very good. So there's another guy that I haven't had the opportunity to hire. Uh, he seems like a great guy. He wants 32 guaranteed hours a week at $30 an hour. No matter what, no matter what time of year, no matter if he's sick, no matter what. And I'm sure there are companies yep. out there that will do that for him. No problem. But I'm in no position. Yeah. And, so, you know, it's a sad story because I really like this guy. I've known him for a long time. Uh, but um, if he offered the same as Keith and he brought his own business 
and he was a hell of a tech like him. And he didn't bitch and complain about this, that, and the other, and was just like Keith. I would, I would give him that 32 hours guaranteed at at $30 an hour and whatever else he wanted most likely. Yeah. But technicians like Keith are few far in between. Yeah. Oh, I agree. That's uh, in particular, you mentioned a few dynamics of customer service there. Like, like when you went through the list of things you like about him, it was a given that he knew what he was doing technically, like Mm -hmm. the the mechanical part of it. Fine. But the clean truck, the customer communication, like when I talk to commercial company, I do a lot of safety meetings, talk to techs and safety meetings. And I tell them all the same thing. If you want a career in this company, your career does not come from getting to put your hands on a chiller or like uh, going to a class up in Wisconsin or something like that. Your career is built on your reputation for customer service. Like if you're the guy, when they call the company and they say, can you send Earl again? I mean, I know you probably, I don't know if I'm asking too much, but man, I really would like if you sent Earl. Earl gets everything he wants. Earl gets what he wants. That's right. Earl gets a new truck. Earl gets to go to classes. Earl gets everything he wants. Yeah. I'm doing this for Earl. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And if you want to get what Earl gets, you act like Earl, right? Yeah. It's the same thing you were just saying. Like the, you could take five guys and they're all, listen, text, you were listening. I know you're listening to this podcast. Let it soak in. It's not about knowing more than the next guy technically. You need to know enough technically, and then you need to be a customer service monster. I mean, an animal living for customer service, thinking about customer service. You will, the the career that you will have is unparalleled to anybody who can tear down a hundred ton chiller all the way down to screws, put it all the way back together again and everything works. That guy's great. You got to have him sometimes but he'll never do as well as the guy who has great customer service. That great customer service entails and includes being very resourceful to the point where I only hear from you before the call and when the call is done. Like I would love that, you know, I would just love that, but it doesn't always happen. But guys like Keith, I'm like, what do you mean? You're all, you're already done. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Solid. You got your eight. Go ahead and go home at two. You know what I mean? Thank you. And they just, they just keep accumulating five-star reviews on Google. They just keep, you know what I'm saying? It's like the, the dynamic created by that person. And the thing is, of course they have to be there to a certain point technically, but the, the, the point of confusion for some techs is they think, I'm the best technically in this company. Why won't they give me the time of day? And it's because when that's needed, they want to be able to call you, but it's not needed every time. What's needed every time is that fantastic customer service. Mm-hmm. So that if you can give yourself to that, just, and, and it's hard because in my research, roughly between about 85% of technicians have an introverted communication style. They're, they're slow to speak. They uh, not not in a dumb way, but just they form their whole thought before they say anything and they didn't get into working with their hands to have a bunch of conversations. Right. There are people who are happy driving around alone in a truck all day. 
And so they're not, they're not naturally conversational. The other 15% are like, wow, very conversational, but the, the majority are not. And so it's, it's a challenge to do things like communicate status to a customer because they don't know what to say, right? They're not trying to hold back, but they're like, well, I kind of know it's wrong. I'm not sure yet how long it's going to take to fix it. What am I supposed to say to them? Right. And that kind of from, from an owner or service manager, that conversation, how do I have this, you know, conversation, that kind of training is golden. And it, it, we miss it because it's not about, you know, a new piece of equipment or, or an OEM training or something like that, but they techs need help in very small ways. Not, it's not like you're, you know, getting a four-year degree here, but just what's a little bit of structure for how do I say it? Like when I'm working with techs, I'll tell them, look, the, the structure of a status conversation is data, 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 judgment, action. Meaning data means it's 80 degrees outside. Judgment is it's hot outside, right? So give me what's the data. My, I got here at two o'clock. My meter says this. Here's where we're at. My judgment is going to take me about two hours to get this done. And here's the next thing I'm going to do, right? Data, 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 judgment, action. Customer now feels like, oh, okay. I've just heard status. They wouldn't even use that word, but I have status. Now I know what's going on. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know what's going on. And now I can go do my work and I can check in an hour from now. And then what do I say to them? Data, 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 judgment, action. And that little structured conversation can really elevate the level of customer satisfaction because nothing is worse than in the absence of information, people assume the worst. So nothing is worse than sitting in a hot house wondering what the F is going on. Why this guy is here. You can tell they're, they're on the phone right? They're calling their mom. Well, this effing guy is here. I don't know what the heck's going on. He's, he's here. Well, is he going to, what are you going to do? I don't know. Right? Like that's the zone. That's the customer service zone. That's whenever you can look like a rock star or, you know, not so cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. That, that thing I get, I, I can tell I'm, I, I get fired up about this stuff in a good way because it, it excites me because the, the 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 jump from average to great customer service is not a chasm. It's not. It's just a couple of tactics and a willingness. And then you're there and and you see them light up and say, thank you. And it's like, oh, that feels good. Let's do more of that. And then now we're financing. Going. Financing has definitely um, made a huge impact on my customers oh. as well, because you know, if they're looking at a $1,300 bill or estimate or whichever, and they just don't have it. Yep. Um, for those technicians or business owners that don't know, American Standard and Train offer financing for just service calls and parts as well. Oh, wow. So um, that's wow. definitely been a load off of a few customers this year alone. So yeah. um, we're happy about that too. So yeah. um, not only are they, are, are they in there sweating, you know, they're like, Oh, worrying about their pocketbook. And what if, you know, I come in there and I tell them the problem and don't worry, we offer financing as well. So even if the problem seems to be, you know, a higher price than, than what you were thinking, you know, we can still get you taken care of today. Yeah. So, that's excellent. That's yeah. excellent. Well, listen, uh, do you have any, 
closing thoughts for us? Any like, uh, like, you know, what's your version of look both ways before you cross the street tax? What is the, what's your, what's your, do you have words of wisdom for tax who are in that 10 year cycle and, and uh, trying to make a decision as to what to do next? Do it, do it, jump. Yeah. You only live once, man. Just do it. Um, go check, go take that contractor's license test, go get your liability insurance, just go do it. You know, yeah. you never know. You can always go back. You can always fall back. Always. You know, and that, that's a good, actually, that's a really good piece of advice, Rob, that go get your license. I mean, it doesn't, it costs you 150 bucks or whatever, depending on your state, but go get your license. It doesn't hurt you to have it. And you're not even working under it if you're working for somebody else, but once you have it, then that's one step closer. And Opens a lot more doors too. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yep. yep. Well, um, also, hey, uh, so I built an HVAC system. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It's it's not like anything else that's on the market out there. Really? Uh, tell us about it. Yes, sir. Well, I'm not able to tell you all about it, but maybe someday soon. I have, mm -hmm. I have my meeting on Wednesday with my patent attorney Okay. downtown here. So I'll literally be hauling my system down I-40 to downtown <laughs> to my patent attorney's office so we can get, get it proofed and then get it patented. Well, Rob, here's my ask. You get that thing patented, and then you come back. You tell I us will. about it. Yeah, because we want to hear about it. New technology I mean, the next five or 10 years, holy smokes, between AI and refrigerants and uh, I mean, just the, the technology over the next 10 years is going to be out of the uh, it's going to be nuts. Mm -hmm. Yes, it will. Yeah, uh, I think they said uh, at American Standard, the onboarding meeting, they're choosing 454B, which is really? butane. Yeah, uh, refrigerant. So that's what they're going with and it's yeah. going to start in october i think or they might have said february of next year but it's coming well and, and i don't i mean i'm i'm not a manufacturing expert i'm just around it you know i just can't imagine we're not eventually going to get into oem specific refrigerants mm -hmm. because the it's too um it's too much of a corporate mindset to say um I can lock people out if you don't use my refrigerant. Like it's just too much. It's just too obvious. And so, you know, we did R22, you know, we, we, we're getting to a point now where I think we're going to see like a proliferation of various refrigerants and then it coming back together to a few. And, you know, I just, I just can't imagine that it's, if I did a strategic planning session, it's the obvious first thing to bring up. You know, how do we lock somebody in to using our equipment? You got to have our refrigerant, you know, but I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I will. We'll see how that plays out, but it's, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, you bet Rob, man. So listen, local mechanical, Oklahoma city, Rob from, uh, you the man, Rob, you the man. I appreciate you coming on. Um, there's how, if someone wanted to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? Uh, my cell phone or my email, uh, cell phone number is 405-635-7653. We are hiring. Um, 
and you know i have a facebook rob from you can message me on there uh but yeah Excellent. local mechanicals facebook's also there too so feel free to reach out Excellent. Excellent. Well, Rob, again, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast and we're looking forward to hearing about your new piece of equipment, your new setup too. Thank you. I appreciate All it. Right. I'm looking forward to coming back on here and showing. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. A good life is had at the HVAC Joy Lab.